What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Release the Ape podcast. My name is Bo Crescetto. Here I am with Linson Daniel again. And just want to remind you right off the bat that we are now on um, audio uh, platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google. So if you'd rather listen, you can do that there. Obviously, we're still on YouTube if you want to watch us. Um, so please subscribe. Please share. Let us know how this is helpful for you or not. Mm-hmm. And um, today we want to get in uh, to the role of the evangelist in a deeper way. We, we want to talk about what does bold evangelism look like? What, what do strong mm-hmm. spiritual conversations look like? What does it look like um, to, to be getting into conversations that can lead to conversion? And mm-hmm. I'm going to share a story with you in just a second. But where this is coming from for me is that as we're heading in, into fall of 2021, and obviously we're in the middle of it now. I just feel like we haven't been seeing very bold evangelism in the church. Like mm-hmm. where is, where are powerful spiritual conversations happening? Where is conversion happening? Where are people being challenged with the gospel? Where are we calling people to repentance or even talking about sin? And I feel like even as I mentioned those words, I feel a nervousness because mm-hmm. we've had so many explosive conversations over the last 18 months that it's Mm -hmm. like, gosh, I don't want tension in my faith either. And the reality Mm -hmm. with evangelism is sometimes it brings tension. So I'm seeing a lot of people shying away from evangelism. I don't know how you're seeing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it brings me to a story um, that happened with me just last week. I'm on campus at LSU. I'm making it much more of a priority for myself as a director to be on campus, talking with students, sharing my faith. Um, partnering with others to do the same thing. And there were these angry preachers on campus. If if any of our listeners have gone to college, you've seen these people, they're in the middle of the free speech area and they are just yelling at students. Some of the things they're talking about, I don't disagree with them on. Like they're talking about abortion. I don't think abortion is a great thing. Um, Mm. They're talking about sexuality. Of course, I have conservative views of sexuality. Um, they're, they're talking about sin and hell and Jesus. Of course, I believe in all those things, but their tone is super angry. Um, in my opinion, condemning, um, and they're driving people away from Jesus. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. I I think people are just becoming more Mm -hmm. angry and more hated. And it was in Mm -hmm. this moment, I'm like, is this bold evangelism? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it is. But in another sense, I'm like, but it's not a helpful bold evangelism. Mm. And so I actually ended up getting into the middle of this thing and bringing a different word. Um, I actually <laughs> stepped into the middle of the, th- of the of course, of you the- would step in the middle of it. Bo. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I tell everyone, excuse me, I have a different message. And before that, I was going around the circle because I was like to talk with people. And I said, hey, is anyone here interested in a more friendly Bible study? And people are just cracking up like, Hey, that's, that's a good, good way to say it. And I go, well, seriously, like we'll deliver the good news with a smile to you. Mm. You are laughing. So when I went in the middle, I already had a couple of friends, even though they weren't believers in Jesus. And I said, Hey, if you want to hear a different perspective, come in and and listen, I'm going to share with you a Bible story. And people drew in and actually one of the angry preachers started verbally attacking me. I have some TikTok videos. I'll put them in the show notes and you guys can go watch it. But these unreligious people started attacking him on my behalf um, (laughs) and telling him to go to hell, basically. And I was like, wow, like this is getting this is getting crazy. And all that to say, (laughs) what does bold evangelism look like? 
Like, is mm-hmm. it these guys? Is it what I was doing? Is it a different form? I think we need a reimagining of what bold, um, convicted, mm-hmm. friendly, passionate evangelism that leads to transformation and conversion looks like. And that's what I want to talk about in this episode. Like, how do we do that well in 2021 um, mm-hmm. to be bold for Jesus? Uh, what do you think, Linson? What are you hearing? Man, uh, that is a crazy story. I think uh, one of the moments uh, to think of a, a non-Christian person having to defend you from a fellow Christian because of their uh, their spirit of uh, maybe the lack of generosity or goodwill to someone. You know that. I mean, you got to think. Of, we got to think so, about that a little bit, Bo. Like, is bold evangelism? Can it? Because we could say that that was bold, what they were doing. They're out on campus, uh, you know, what's it called? Like uh, open air, preaching, free, preaching. Free, free speech, preaching. Yeah. And if that's what our friends in the ape community, if that's what they think we think bold is, um, then we, we might be heading in the wrong direction here. Because uh, the, there's just something about the way the gospel should be presented out of a person whose life has been shaped by the fruit of the spirit. You know, like if this gospel message has impacted my own life, I would be speaking it in another way. In fact, there would be something winsome about about it. There would be a, a compassion. There would be like, I mean, love, joy, peace. You know, <laughs> like there would be a love towards people that I would be longing to shape my my bold witness in, in a way that 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 you know engendered all these fruit of the spirit in my life, and then that would draw people. Like, I mean, the spirit of God has a way of wooing and drawing people. So maybe, maybe this is good that you share that story because I actually think you both were bold, but the, what, what, what you can, you can sense the the magnetism towards compassion, uh, a magnetism to friendliness, welcome, you know, these are all attributes of God, the father, you know, uh, his welcoming posture towards Jesus, you know, his incarnating posture, you know, the Holy Spirit always wooing us. I mean, the triune God is always wooing, always entering, always trying to win people to, you know, to himself. And so I, I feel like the, 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 the way people stand in such a way that I stand against you and I stand uh, uh, because I, maybe I'm trying to create fear or intimidation and, and and things like that. I don't know if that's really what we mean by bold. You you tracking with me? Like, yeah, I think there's a way we should parse this out that, that we can overlay the, the, the spirit, the Holy Spirit's compulsion to evangelize, but the Holy Spirit's work in us with the fruit of the spirit. We should be able to see those things overlap. You feeling me? Absolutely. And so what, what I want to, take us into for the rest of this time is just what is a framework of boldness and what can that look like? Um, I think people that know me would say that I'm pretty bold. Um, yeah. and, and what I saw on LSU that day uh, was boldness, but I didn't like it. And for mm-hmm. our wider release tape community, you know, we don't want you to think that that's our definition of helpful boldness. Yeah. Is there times right. to free speech preach? Of course there is, sure, but the sure. spirit we come in matters. And so actually, I want to bring y'all into a um, paradigm that uh, I'm getting from InterVarsity. Some of our national leaders in evangelism have created, Mm -hmm. and it's a really helpful paradigm, I think, 
on what courageous witness looks like and, mm. and how to be a person of high love and high courage. And I'm using this a lot with, with leaders, with students and gaining a lot of traction. And so I want to share this with you right now. And then let's have a discussion about this. I'm going to uh, share my screen for those of you that are watching. Um, this might be a good chance to go over to YouTube. For those of you that are listening to this auto, um, auto, on an audible uh, platform, uh, mm -hmm. let me explain it to you. It's a two by two. So in the bottom right, you have low love and you have high courage. Um, courage is on the X, Y, X axis and love is on the Y axis, if you can imagine. So in the bottom right quadrant, you have this argumentative Christian, boldly representing Christ and truth, but easily offended and judging. Hey, there you go. Mm -hmm. um, on the bottom left, you actually have a low love and low courage, and we would call them a passive bystander. Just going through my day unintentionally self-focused. So not helpful either. I think most of us listening to this would be like argumentative Christian, not ideal, passive bystander, not ideal. But if you move up to the top left, we actually have high love and low courage. And, uh -huh. and we call it a nice Christian. Polite and empathetic takes few risks to talk about Jesus. Well, when you hear nice Christian, you're like, what's wrong with a nice Christian? Like, <laughs> wouldn't a nice Christian be nice in today's yeah. culture? Helpful? Like, we could use a lot more nice Christians. I think that day totally. we were out at LSU, it, people would have said, I wish a nice Christian would have showed up today. And so these angry mm -hmm. preachers, I think when we're watching some of this stuff in our political wars, or our racial wars, it's like, where are the nice Christians? Mm -hmm. So this is interesting that that nice Christian is not the ideal here. Well, mm -hmm. if you move to the top right, we have a courageous witness, high love, and high courage, high love, high courage, oh, connecting people to Jesus, uh, providing love and truth. So the question that, that I'm trying to attempt to answer, and I think I'm hitting on something I want to share a little bit more and then kick it to you, Linson. What's the difference between merely being nice as a Christian and being a courageous witness? Mm. This is the question I'm posing to a lot of my student leaders in the staff around the country merely nice. A lot of us would say, I'm probably a merely nice Christian. I go about my day. I'm polite to people. I'll pray for them. I'll serve them. I have Christian values. I'm being a merely nice Christian, but you probably would also say, I'm not that courageous in my witness. I'm not going out of my way to connect people to Jesus. I'm not mm -hmm. looking for opportunities to connect people to Jesus, to, to share the gospel with other people. And so there's this gap, and I'm going to stop sharing my screen, between being merely nice and a courageous witness. And so as I've been sharing with people, I think the difference between a merely nice Christian and a courageous witness, one of the best examples that I'm finding and I'm using in scripture is when you go to Acts 17 and you see Paul showing up in Athens, okay? Athens, yeah. And he, he's waiting. The context is he's waiting for his buddies to come. So he's just chilling in Athens. And while he's waiting, it says in verse 16, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of full idols. Of idols, yeah. And mm -hmm. that line, greatly distressed. Obviously, Paul's a courageous witness. We see him go on to reason yeah. with people in the synagogue right there in that next line but he's courageous all over acts. Paul was someone who was greatly distressed. He was bothered by idol worship. 
and he was bothered or burdened by people that didn't know Jesus. A merely nice Christian is not very bothered by idols. A merely nice Christian is not bothered by people having, not having a relation with Jesus. I don't mean to say that, that they would say, I don't care. I would say it's not bothering them in their day. It's not burdening them in their day. Uh, there's something about courageous witnesses that say, gosh, I want people to know Jesus and I'm looking for opportunities or I'm going to reason with them. or I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to show them. They're greatly distressed that people don't know Jesus. And I think that's a huge distinction. And I want to bring that to our listeners here today. Are you greatly distressed for the lost? Mm -hmm. Are you greatly distressed at the idol worship in our culture and in our lives? Or are you frankly oblivious to it in, in mm -hmm. unconcerned and just worried about being nice and being in your lane and being moral and helping people where you can. Well, that's why we're not seeing courageous witness happening in our culture. What, what do you think, Linson? What do you think about that? Man. Oh man. I'm digesting the, uh, the framework and listening to you talk. I mean, kudos to InterVarsity. They're, they're wonderful at making two by twos. So I love, I love this uh, courage and love I love that because uh, I think what you're what you're hinting at is a nice, a merely nice Christian needs to grow in courage, right? You're saying that, that to grow in courage. I love that because, and you know, there's something about the gospel message we see in Acts and and, and in Jesus's life that there's a, there's a, there's some components here that have to be, you have to demonstrate the gospel and you have to declare the gospel. They they fit together. You know, when one of those goes out of whack. Uh, there are like either felt needs that are not being met because uh, words can't do that, or there is just welcome and love and, and no direction, no like defining what is happening, right? So uh, a friend of mine once said, if, if Jesus went to the cross and, and died and uh, rose from the dead, but he didn't explain it, like it was all, it's all demonstration. If he didn't explain it, if he didn't declare what he was doing, I think people would not have completely understood, right? Like, so our, there's an impact of our words and there's an impact on our actions. And I think depending on what kind of nice Christian you are, you might say like, doesn't my, like my actions towards people be enough? Well, no, people need to hear the gospel. So the courageous move for the nice Christian is, uh, yes, you should continue to, you know, maybe throw out the trash for all your sweet mates, you know, in, in your dorm floor. You should um, meet the, meet the homeless in your city and care for them. Yes, that is, that's good. But what does it look like for you to move, take a step of faith and move towards explaining the gospel, right? Or if you're the kind of person that's good with your words, you're very savvy, you like to talk all the time. Maybe the courageous move for you is to like lower yourself to be a servant and say, with my words, I now serve you. And that could be the courageous move. But what that does is get someone towards real life change and real uh, letting per people hear the gospel and see an embodied version of the gospel. I think that is actually what is winsome, you know, like he seeing you on campus showing love, you know, and or showing even loyalty to the non-Christian at that point. You're like, I actually side with you, non-Christian, not this argumentative, loud, boisterous Christian that's giving off the wrong. I don't actually side with them. I side with you. What, what does that engender in them? Loyalty for you. When they showed up to bother you, the, the Christians on campus, they came to bother you. They stood up for you because you were standing, standing up for them. There's something about embodying the, the, these, uh, the fruit of the spirit 
that we see it engendered into the people that listen to us. But then there's also us talking in that space that, that you know, evokes emotion, evokes uh, illumination, like, oh my goodness, there's something here I need to respond to, right? Because what happens if you just act? There's nothing to respond to. Mm. Like, where's the big question? Where's the, where's the uh, a chance to say the kingdom of God is near? And what does that mean for me, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to kind of tease out that a little bit. I mean, we could even journey around some of these other quadrants to, to show what it's not. That might also sharpen what it is. But yeah, that, that's my first yeah, step. I mean, declaration I, and demonstration. Yeah, I like that. And I've heard it put another way, like there's no self-interpreting sign. So there you go. If, if you're going to act, interpret it. Um, I like that. I think what, what I'm most concerned about, though, is the, the spirit or the heart, the, the will of the Christians that are listening today, like, mm. are you bothered? Are you yes. distressed? Oh, yeah. Like that's the challenge I would bring to you most simply. If you remember any, nothing else from this podcast, or if you want to share this with someone that you're like, Hey, they need to be more bothered. We need people to move from merely nice to courageous. And that starts mm. with being bothered, bothered, by idols, bothered by unsaved people or unconverted people, people that that lo- their lives are not anchored in Christ on the foundation of Christ. And look, even as I say that, some of you are listening to this or you have friends that would listen to this and go, gosh, that seems pushy or that seems judgmental. Like mm-hmm. you need to be bothered at the unsaved. It's like, <laughs> okay, Bo's going to start yelling at me now, like cringe. But no, that's my point. We've gotten to a place where we're mm-hmm. becoming calloused as Christians from being bothered. And here's what another friend hmm. of mine said in Arvarsi is, I think part of the reason we're, we're bothered, bothered with being bothered, we, we hmm. were upset or we're, we're nervous about becoming distressed at idols mm-hmm. or unsaved is because we don't want to become judgmental. Right. We don't want to jump down to, to the bottom quadrant and become yes. the argumentative Christian. Well, yes. my friend in varsity, his name's Rick. He said it brilliantly. He said, what does it mean to be distressed for unbelievers or for idols, but in an empathetic way, mm. not a judgmental way? Is there a reality where a Christian can carry around be a distressed sense for those that don't know Christ and an urgency to help people know Christ, but out of an empathy? out of a love. That's the high love. That's the high love Mm -hmm. and the high courage. I'm not bothered in a judgmental talking down to you. Shame on you. Can't believe you're such a sinner. Why are you doing this? You're going to hell tone. No, I'm talking to you in a way that says, Oh my gosh, like there is no better life than Christ. And I long for you to know him. I long Mm -hmm. for you to know life and life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. I long for you to turn from your sin and put your life into the love of Christ because I care for you, because I love for you, because I have high empathy for you to know God. Well, the merely merely nice Christian doesn't have a lot of empathy for the person that doesn't know Jesus because they don't really yeah. care that much. Mm. So what do you what do you think about that? The whole empathy wow. versus judgment. Yeah, and like I, I, emotionally bothered at people that don't know Jesus. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is that the word nice assumes that people have a, a great emotion 
for people, right? And what, what you're saying is you're almost turning it on its head. You're nice is maybe like, you know, for those of us who are in the South, we know what this means, like a Southern nice. You're just nice because it's the status quo of being nice. But is it yes. really, is it really nice? You know, you know, or is it, you know, at a deepest sense, is it really like, I mean, can you be so welcoming and not talk about Christ, right? Is it, is that really welcome, right? Like welcoming, I mean, forgive this if it sounds too strong, but like welcoming people straight into brokenness, welcoming people straight into continued captivity, continued bondage, continued anxiety. Is that really what a nice person would do? Like if I could, if I could unlock the, the place that you were in, I would courageously move to you to your prison and find a way that key I would unlock it right that might be a courageous move but that would probably be truly nice but to say I'm not bothered by the the, the cage that you're in you know um you know I wonder okay Bo okay walk with me here I'm, I'm trying to think of some people in my life that find themselves in the nice category who, who would find it hard to move to courageous I think they in the 2020 2021 world we live in anxiety is so ramped up right so maybe they find the move from that box to the next box, anxiety producing, right? It, it's producing more. And I think what you're saying is they're bothered by being bothered. So it, there's something about seeing that they're in bondage is anxiety producing, right? So they rather not see it. But if they do see it and they have to move towards, it creates anxiety in their life too. So to almost uh, protect themselves, self-medicate themselves, they rather just grow numb to Athens and the idols around them. They were like, you know, by looking at that is causing anxiety for me. By trying to approach that person is causing anxiety in me. And I wonder if that is what's making it hard. Like the actual being distressed, it reverberates in a different way in a 2020, 2021 world that uh, it, it makes it hard to move there. What do you think about that idea? I've got yeah, some other I like about that. that. Let Let's put that back in the context of scripture. Paul's in Athens and he's greatly distressed the idol. So today we're in Athens, right? Or we're, we're in America or we have listeners all around the world, wherever you are, when Christians see their environment, their local environment, or maybe they're on a cross-cultural mission, like, like Paul is they're in a city. What are they seeing? Right. I think today, a lot of our Christians see people doing other things, idol worship, and they go, well, that's good for them, but that's not what I would mm -hmm. do, right? So I'm mm -hmm. going to just leave them alone because that's their thing. And I would never want to tell them they're wrong. Maybe they see the brokenness and they get anxious, like you're saying. And it's like, gosh, that's making me anxious to think about their brokenness. So I'm going to stop thinking about it. Like mm -hmm. I need to go, you know, do something else to, to, to get this off my mind. Like mm -hmm. I can't take the emotional weight of their pain. Um, others get judgmental. And like, mm -hmm. we see that in our culture today too. Like, how dare them? America's going to hell in a handbasket. And can you believe this culture and young people these days? And <laughs> they're, they're, they're seeing the idol worship and just getting mad or angry. Mm -hmm. And so all those moves are, are part of today's Christian. So I think even uh, to expand it, it's not just merely nice. It's like, how do you move from merely nice to courageous witness? How do you move from argumentative? Yeah. Um, to, to create, how courageous do you move man. from uh, passive or apathetic? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. want to see it. 
yeah. too courageous. Well, you have to see brokenness. You have mm. to see idol worship. You have to see people that don't know Jesus and you have to see it the way that God sees it. And the, how do we see it the way God sees it? Through meditating on scripture and prayer. He is cut to the heart. He is, um, uh, what, what is it? Yeah. What does it say in, um, in, in Matthew before they send out the laborers or, or is it Luke 10? Um, mm -hmm. why am I blanking on the word, the, the deep pain in his, in his gut? What does he say? Yeah. Jesus moved says, by, moved, by the harvest. moved by moved in compassion. For yes. Him. The compassion, which is like that deep, the, that deep, uh, gut pain, right? Like mm -hmm. to his bowels. It's like, he mm -hmm. sees these people and he's like, gosh, I hate that. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're mm. lost. They're in bondage. This mm. bothers me. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers, right? Mm -hmm. Moving to courage, moving to distress mm. is a person that's willing to see the brokenness, call it brokenness, and then move to prayer, move to a sense of empathetic compassion, deep pain to go, this is not how God intended it to be. That's mm -hmm. what then prompts you to act with courage, speak yeah. with courage, talk about the gospel instead of just ignore it or say it's good for you or just get mad. Yeah. I mean, let's call it what it is. I actually, Bo, I actually don't think we have a lot of nice Christians. I think what we have, let's just be honest. I think most people are bystanders. You know, I think we're giving ourselves a little, a little too much credit by making ourselves nice Christians. You know, like, you know, if you are moved by that much compassion and you have no impulse towards uh, courage, you know, uh, you know, what you really are is you don't have either. I, I know that might offend some people. Let's talk about this. So I think maybe, maybe the people who made your framework uh, picked the word bystander uh, for a reason. You, got, you know what the bystander effect is, right? There's this idea that, uh, like, let's say you see something wrong happen. Let's say you're outside of Walmart. And uh, somebody is hurting, like you see a, you see someone like beating up another guy, right? Uh, if you are the only one in the parking lot, you have a greater percentage to intervene because you, you see the need, you see the urgency of the moment and you can help. Okay. But if there were a group of 10 of you all coming out of your cars at the same time, the, you would, I know this makes no sense, but the percentage of people that will help drop significantly because there's a lot of you and you all shift the responsibility to someone else and it becomes the bystander effect right and i feel like you know we can all say we're nice people but if we see like 10 or 15 of us like oh that guy can handle it or she can handle it or she's better than me she what happens is we all shift the responsibility we might feel the distress but we all shift the responsibility and we all become bystanders right and i would say if it was if we knew that God had called us to, to have a custom-made witness for this sister or brother that you crossed paths with, like Philip showing up to the Ethiopian. That was custom-made, right? Philip was understood that was his role. What, what comes out of us is courage. It's like it's love and courage all mixed together because we know that divine moment for us, God is custom-made for the Ethiopian eunuch, you know? God has custom-made it for Athens that there would be an idol with no name on it and Paul could take that uh that 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 object of their worship of an unknown God and preach it to them with great compassion and courage because 
he feels like God brought him there and literally set the whole thing up for Athens to come to Christ, right? That's the opposite of the bystander effect. Like God brought me here. God gave me this amazing neighbor. God gave me these amazing friends. I live on this floor for a reason, you know, and it really pushes on the bystander. I actually think, and I, again, I, going back to that original parent, I actually think we're all bystanders. We, we're shifting the responsibility to our pastor. We're shifting the responsibility to our staff worker, our director, or someone else with the title evangelist will show up and take care of this because there's so many of us. Instead of knowing, hey, I am the one in that dark parking lot watching this person being beat up by someone, I can go in with Christ and see make a difference. Does that make does that? You, you yeah, I, that? I love it. And and actually, I, I want to tell two stories okay. that I think can help people see how I move from maybe a nice Christian or a bystander to a courageous witness. I have two stories just in the last two weeks. And one of them is more complex. One of them is more simple. So the first story is I'm on campus um, at Southeastern university sitting with some students and our chapter there is mostly black students. I'm actually one of the only white people involved. (laughs) And this black woman comes up, she's a leader on campus Um, it's, it's very clear that she is. And, and I know some, uh, an organization she's part of and we get talking to her and, and she basically drops in there. Well, I'm not really that religious. I used to be, but I don't do that anymore. I've kind of gone my own way. Well, Mm -hmm. I could, I don't know her. I could have just kept being nice and kept talking with the students I was with, but I said in a courageous moment, cause I care about her spiritual well being. Hey, if you ever want to get together and talk about that, I would love to help you process your faith. Now that you're in college. Um, I hate that, you know, you're not connected to it anymore and maybe you don't care, but if you do care, I'd love to meet with you. Let's figure it out. And she goes, Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. Let's do that sometime again. What had opportunity to just let it go and say, okay, well, let me know. I said, well, I'm here today. Are you free at two by chance? And she said, <laughs> I am free at two. And I said, well, let's meet. I'll buy you a coffee. There you go. Got a conversation cross-cultural at that. Mm-hmm. We got into an hour long conversation where we didn't even have to take a breath. We got into how can Jesus be the only way to God? I would never want to tell someone they're wrong. We got into colonialism, Jesus mm. being a white man religion. Why should black mm. people follow him when white people enslaved black people? I mean, bro, all of it. We got into it and we're, we had a great conversation. We're going to continue to have them. But think if I would have just chosen to be nice that day at the table, mm. we would have never had it. The second story is I'm now working out every morning in the gym with one of my buddies. We've been getting to know this other guy. And this is a quick story. And we're talking, blah, 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 blah. This morning, my pastor comes in to the gym. I'm telling this guy, I go up to the guy and I say, hey, I want you to meet my pastor. This is Johnny, blah, 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 blah. And I say to him, look, I want you to come to my men's group sometime. We meet every other Thursday at 12 o'clock. I have no idea where you are with your faith. We talk about lifting weights every day. I go, but if you have any desire to know God, I want you to come to this group. We can help you grow in your faith. Obviously you care about being physically fit. I'd love to help you learn how to get spiritually fit. Wow. And he goes, Oh, well, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. And I was having to leave. And I said, I'll talk to you about that tomorrow. But that's an example where some of you listening to this might go, God, I don't know if I would ever get in those kind of conversations or do that. And I go, look, you don't have to be me 
But the point is that those were two opportunities for courage where mm-hmm. I could have just stayed nice or apathetic yeah. or passive. So, like the guy passive. at the gym talking about weights every day. I could have never brought up God, mm-hmm. but I chose to say, I want this guy to know God. Let's mm-hmm. drop it in and see how he responds. Yeah. I mean, like what you're, what you're walking in, Bo, that I think some people need to grasp. And, you know, I have to remind myself of this too. So I don't want the ape community to think I'm not there either is to, to, to believe that God has these moments. Like this is not for somebody else. God made it for you. And it's his gift to you to step in that moment. And, and, you know, here, here, here's the thing that moment you said, Hey, I'll meet you at two, like that jump, that little jump of faith you did, or talking to your friend, I got amends about that, that little jump. Right. I think we label that opportunity as stress and anxiety Mm. when the Holy spirit is not causing stress. That is uh, a pressure, a Holy spirit burden, a pressure towards something, a nudge to something, right? There's a difference between someone feeling stressed and someone feeling pressure. We are like transformation comes through tension or pressure. Exactly. I think we live in a society that conflate these two things. If I feel pressure, it must be anxiety producing, right? Actually, there are lots of things, even in nature and in the gospel witness that the Holy spirit causes a movement causes a direction of pressure towards a nudge towards something that is never meant for us to call stress. You know, will it move us out of our comfort zone? Yes. May, will it create a little bit of fear in us? Sure. But it's always for a good, you know, it's always for that person's good, our good. And I think we need to be careful that we do not become a society that labels all of that as anxiety, all of that as stress, all of that is bad and throw it out because pressure is needed, you know, for things to grow, for diamonds to be produced, pressure is needed to see the, the God's uh, work in you to grow. If it, it's never, and it's not stress, stress is something else. Stress is produces fractures and, and fissures and breaks people apart. Actually, what we're experiencing as a society is stress. We are now all heading into our own directions and it will take the Holy Spirit's pressure to bring us back. Right. And as Christians, we need to be able to say, I'm not feeling stress. I am feeling God's pressure for this custom made moment for this beautiful moment that I can step into. I think that was going to mix courage and love together. We're going to step in and be like, I have, I'm following the Holy Spirit's lead here. You know, because if we're not careful, Bo, we will throw evangelism out altogether. Well, you, you and I have already talked a lot about that offline, that we're not far away from people uh, calling evangelism triggering or um, anxiety inducing and saying, we can't do that anymore. But that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) I think what, what you're bringing up, which I love with the word pressure um, in scripture, right? Acts 17, distressed, um, maybe burdened, maybe convicted, uh, maybe um, compassion, as it, it mm-hmm. says when Jesus uh, sees them harassed mm-hmm. and helpless. Yeah. Any, pick any one of those words. What, what we yes. want to leave you with today is, are you feeling any of those things? Like if mm. you're not going through your day and looking at your neighbors, your coworkers, your fellow mm. students, your family, whoever it is, your clients, 
and, and you don't have regular experiences of distrust or pressure or burden or compassion or conviction that makes you go, something needs to be done. And mm. you're not living into the courageous witness that God has intended. This has nothing mm. to do with being a called or gifted evangelist. This has Mm-mm. everything to do with being the light of the world, being mm. a light of the world, as he calls us to witness, to share it. He calls us his witnesses and acts to everyone's a witness. What does a witness do? They reveal. You can't reveal if you don't feel a burden to do so. And so where is that for you? And what I'll leave you on this note is, yes, that can create an anxiety or an unhelpful pressure. That's why we have prayer. Mm. Take that pressure, that burden, that compassion, that conviction, that distress to prayer, and then Mm. let God move you out into action and into word. Um, We we can't just put that on the side. We can't ignore it. We can't become apathetic. We can't become blind to the lost nature of our world. We have to feel for them so that we can share and win them to Christ. Um, I have nothing else to say on that topic. Take the final word and let's get out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inspiring us there. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think Peter would have ever gone to Cornelius's house if he lived in 2020, 2021, right? Like they are so such opposite ends of the social like circles that they live in i mean jewish man and then the imposing roman centurion i mean you killed jesus and what he could have felt was like i'm never i'm not going to do that he could have experienced the bystander but he felt like you said like such a courageous love burden compassion for cornelius steps into his house and sees the holy spirit at work Think about all those amazing stories that are left to be told in your life. You know, all those, I mean, just so many cool moments all over, all around. Each of you that are listening today, just follow the pressure. It's not stress. It's always going to be for your good and for his glory. It's going to be always for that person's good. And who knows, Bo, like what God has in store. So um, I love that what we talked about today. May, May everyone experience that pull towards courageous witness may none of us be an apathetic bystander let's not let anyone be beaten and and hurt by their own sin or the or the uh, tactics of the enemy let's get in there and expect jesus to free people amen amen Amen. there's a lot of there's a lot of changed lives waiting to happen transformation waiting to happen and it's going to be because of our partnership with with the holy spirit and and witness and so with that um we'll end this time bless you all Leave us a comment, reach out to us. There might be a lot of questions about how to, um, mm-hmm. you know, how do I do this then? Well, we can get into that. We also have lots of resources. We always link our sites in, in the show notes if you want to check those out. But God bless you all and uh, see you next time. Love you guys.